you're happy to be in the house of God today. If you are, let's give the Lord a big praise offering. <laughs> Man. We're going to go through our announcements before we get into worship this morning. Uh, we do still have our Operation Christmas Child. We want to say thank you for your great response. We have four boxes left, and they do need to be returned by 11-6. That's this uh, November the 6th. Make sure you bring those boxes back by then. Um, Pastor Tammy invites the ladies to come out today at 4 o'clock for their women's Bible study. That's continuing on through the 23rd. And then we have our men's fall fellowship. That is today. And that is, uh, we're going to be having hot dogs and food and desserts and playing cornhole. So all the men, we're inviting you to come out this evening at 4 o'clock to be a part of that. It's exciting to be a, uh, have fellowship one with another in the book of Acts. That's what they did. Amen. And then we are also going to be having on October the 23rd our Pastors Appreciation Day. How many are thankful that we have great pastors here at our church? Amen. Amen. So on October the 23rd, please write that down. We want to do a card shower. And I love that old hymn that says, showers of blessings. Bring showers of blessings in those cards for our pastor and Sister Tina. We appreciate them very, very much for what they do here, and we're so thankful for them. We're also going to be having on October the 30th, it is going to be our friends and family day. And what that means is we're going to be celebrating with our family and friends. We're asking you to invite a friend to come with you and bring food with you as well. Uh, the church themselves will be uh, providing the meat and the uh, drinks, so you don't have to bring that, but we're asking that you would bring a covered dish uh, for this event. Uh, then the exciting thing is at the end of the month, uh, what the world considers, you know, the dark day, we're going to bring the light in the dark, amen? The, at, at, we're going to bring that light to the night it's event on October the 31st. It would be between 5 and 8 o'clock. And we still ask you to see Pastor John and, and Pastor Amanda. Uh, they are still needing uh, the plastic gallon milk jugs. So if you have those and you can bring those in to them, they would greatly appreciate that. I was just thinking before worship happens about what the Bible says how in the David in Psalms cried out and said, you know, everybody that has breath, how many have breath in here this morning? Raise your hand. Everything and everybody that has breath, we always want to do, praise the Lord. So we're going to stand now as Sister Tina comes and leads us in worship, and we're here to honor Jesus, amen, and to bring him all the praise, glory, and honors. Let's do that from the depths of our heart in Jesus' name, amen. Man, how many's ready to worship the Lord this morning? Can you give him a big hand of praise? He is worthy of all our honor. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Israel, he did not leave them in Egypt. How many are thankful that God did not leave you in your Egypt this morning? Brother Chase is going to lead us out in a song. Amen.
more time. Just praise him with your voice. Hallelujah. Oh, we can never count the ways that he has done, the things that he has done for us. Amen. And I will always praise him. Can you say always? In the good times and the bad, I will praise him. Amen. Hallelujah.
this morning. Come on. Come on, church. Just give the Lord a big hand this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. You might be here this morning and you say, in your, in your own heart, that you don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know how your situation is going to work out. I know we have some here this morning that is uh, got operations lined up and, and, and we know that fear is trying to, to vex your heart. As I was coming in, uh, they told me that uh, Sister Marcia Hayes is over at UVA Hospital. And we're going to believe by faith this morning that God's going to bring her out of there. Amen? Amen. And I just feel like saying, I don't know, maybe there's a dream or a vision that you have in your heart that is, that's never come to pass yet. Or maybe you're even, in your life, you're searching for something that only Jesus Christ can bring to pass in your life. You're searching here and you're searching there and you think that, uh, you know, Pastor, I'm having a little fun in my search, but may I say at the end of the journey, at the end of, uh, of what you're searching for, it's going to be an empty hole. And only Jesus can fill that empty space in your life. Amen. Not only can he fill that empty space in your life, but maybe you're here and you need something resurrected. He's the one that can and will bring it to pass. We can trust God and we will trust God and we are trusting God. Amen. And so I want them to sing it one more time and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to just raise your hands this morning and whatever you need from the Lord this morning before the pastor comes. The Holy Spirit can drop it right down in your spirit. If you need healing this morning, we're believing, and I'm going to be praying while they're saying it. We're going to pray for uh, Marcia this morning as she's in the hospital. And I'm going to be praying. I just want you to slip your hands up because I feel the Holy Spirit here this morning. And let's sing that again and throw your hands straight up in the air and let's worship this morning. Oh, Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're, you're touching Marta right now, God. Marcia. Lord, you're touching Marcia right now over at UVA Hospital, God. Go over to the UVA Hospital right now and touch Marcia right now, God. Lord, we're believing that you're touching Sister Rosemary right now. That God, you're, you're bringing a touch to her body right now. God, thank you for touching Sister Thelma right now this morning. God, we're thanking, Lord, that anybody that has a, a broken dream in their life this morning, God, there's a, a broken dream, God, that you're going to resurrect it this morning. Somebody is, has been searching, God. They've been, they've been searching for something in their life. God, they keep coming up empty. But you're the only one who cares the only one who cares this morning. Oh, come on, church. Jason, give me a little bit more monitors, please. Father, we thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Spirit this morning. 
issue of blood in the New Testament in the New, in the New Testament. And the Bible says, come on church, stay with me. The, the Bible says that she pressed through to touch the hem of her garment. But how many people do you think was trying to get in between her and Jesus to tell her it's not going to work. He's, he's too busy. He, he's not going to pay any attention to you. Well, can I let you know this morning that God has every one of us in His scope. And when the enemy tries to tell you, listen, and bring up your past, God's already forgave you of your past. And He's looking into your future. And God's got something great in store for you this morning. So I'd like to tell the devil that he's a liar. And I'd like to tell the devil, get behind me, Satan. That God's got something great for my future, no matter the voices of the enemy. If God be for me, uh, who can be against me? So God has got something great. I want us to sing this song one more time, and we're going to transition. Chase, you'll sing that for me.
one more time a cappello. and broke the bondage off of you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a little great hand this morning. Amen. Turn around to your neighbor and tell them how good they look this morning. Amen. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank the worship team. And didn't this young man do a wonderful job this morning? Let's give him a hand. Amen. Anointings on that young man, isn't it? Anointings on that young man. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I felt the, the presence of the Lord this morning. God is good, isn't he, church? I mean, God's about to do something beyond anything that we could dream, think, or imagine. Amen. Praise the Lord. I felt the spirit of the Lord this morning. Continually um, remember Marcia in your prayers. We're just believing that God's going to touch her and heal her and, and continually pray for all our prayer requests this morning. How many of you ready for the word of God this morning? Amen. I am so thankful for the pastor that's coming to speak to you. They have been friends of ours for a long time and I know a long time with Tina's family and so I'm going to ask Pastor Randy if he'll make his way on up here this morning. If you guys will give him a hand. Amen. Amen. So good for all the young people and young adults being here this morning. We've got uh, food for them downstairs right after, uh, right after service. Will you continually pray for our young people and our young adults that God's going to do something great in their life? Can you say amen? amen. Uh, Pastor Randy uh, was, is, was the president for five years of Messenger College. Uh, he's the natural youth director of the PCG uh, for eight years, and he still has that, current has that position. And he's now a pastor of New Hope Church in Pulaski, Virginia. He has a wife and four children. That's enough to keep you busy right there, isn't it? That's enough to keep you busy right there. I'm going to ask uh, Jack this morning if he'll make his, if he'll make his way up and I asked him to pray over uh, Pastor Randy this morning. I love this young man. The spirit of the Lord and the calling of God is on his, on his life. Let's give him a hand this morning. Amen. And I just thank Pastor Randy for being here. He drove two hours up here this morning. And uh, I just believe that you're going to enjoy his wonderful message. He's a great man of God. And God has his hand upon him. And so... I want us to stand this morning, and we're going to honor the Lord, and I just thank Jack. He's going to pray over him this morning, and how many of you know that God can use this young man? How many of you God can use this young man as he prays over our pastors this morning? 
Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you would bless this pastor. I thank you for allowing him to come out here in this day you've given us and the worship you've given us. Please, Holy Spirit, fill him. Help him to deliver his word and help it to help all our hearts to be open to it, to receive it. And uh, help this day to be the day of salvation for someone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. You may be seated. How is everyone doing this morning? Isn't it such a beautiful day that the Lord has made? I don't know about you, but um, I have to remind uh, even our congregation, we are blessed to live in the one of the most beautiful places in the world, right? Especially in the fall. And so uh, it is just beautiful out there, and we thank God for it. Um, it's, it's such an honor uh, to be with you this morning, and uh, thank you, uh, Pastor Kevin and, and, and Pastor Tina, for the invitation. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to John chapter 5, and we'll get right in this morning, and uh, it is just an honor to be with you uh, on this Sunday morning, and I'm just going to share from my heart uh, out of John chapter 5, and then uh, talk a little bit, uh, hopefully this morning, um, about the next generation, and uh, I appreciate your pastors and, uh, and you as a church, your emphasis on reaching the next generation, and so uh, just believe this morning uh, that the Lord will speak to us. I'm not a, a, a very a long-winded preacher, if that's okay with you. I, I learned that there's a, there's a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation, <laughs> right? And so... We'll try, not to, we'll try not to cross that this morning, all right? So uh, John chapter 5, and I'm going to read uh, nine verses. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9 says this, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel, verse 4 says, went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Everybody say amen. 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 Talk to you. This morning for a few minutes on this title, There's a Miracle in the Mess. Turn to your neighbor and say, There's a Miracle in the Mess. Miracle in the Mess. Jack, thank you for such an awesome prayer. Um, I've, I've made, wanted to mention this earlier. I do have my four kids with me. That's why my hair stands up, if you're wondering, okay? Uh, so uh, Chase, Maya, Callie, and Jackson, stand up real quick, because they don't get to travel with me all the time. Give them a big hand. I'm grateful for them. 
And my beautiful wife, the real hero, uh, it's her day off today. How about that? So we say, hey, you, you, take, you take a day off. Um, uh, but she would love to be here with you as well. John chapter 5, uh, I love this story. And there's a, a, a lot of things about this story that I love. But really what I love is I really believe it speaks to the day and age in which we live today. Um, because I believe with all of my heart that we are living in the last days. And in the last days, we have some beautiful promises in Scripture. And if you believe the Word, you got to believe the whole Word, right? And God promised that in the last days, He would pour out His Spirit on all flesh, right? That, uh, you know, when Jesus left the disciples, He said, you know, greater things are going to be done. Um, I don't know about you, but the highlight of any wedding, right, is when the back doors open up and the bride walks in, right? That's the highlight of every wedding. And the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. So when he comes for his bride, okay, we're not going to go limping and hopping and struggling out of here. We're going to go out as a glorious church, right? So, so God wants to move. He is moving in and, and different places across the world. And, and I believe that God wants to move right here. Do you believe that? I believe that God wants to move here. God wants to come down and stir the waters. God wants to pour out his spirit. And, uh, and so this, I believe, is a picture for us. I believe it's a prophetic picture of the day and age in which we live. Um, I believe that if you look at it, when Jesus comes to this, this scene here to this pool, Bethesda, um, you know, it's, it's really a broken and messy scene. Uh, how many believe we believe uh, that we live in a broken and messy world, right? You don't got eternal news for more than five seconds to just realize how messed up and how broken our world is. And this is what this pool was. This wasn't some sparkling, nice swimming pool that you would see. This was, this was really uh, called the sheep gate. This is where they would bring their animals. And so this was a, a, a lowly place. This was um, a place that wasn't very, very popular. The Bible says in verse 3, we read that a great multitude of sick and lame and blind and paralyzed people were there. I believe it's a great picture of really the generation that we're dealing with today that they're blind, right? They, they, they're struggling to know what truth is. They're struggling to see, you know, what is truth, what is right, what is, what is wrong. They're lame, they're paralyzed, they're struggling to get somewhere. And, and that's really what we have. That's why I appreciate your pastor's heart and saying, you know what, we really want to place an emphasis on the next generation. How many of you believe that God's a generational God? You know, in the Old Testament, he always introduced himself as, I'm the God of what? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, I, I bet you sometimes people probably got tired of it and said, just talk about Abraham, right? Abraham was in my generation, but God would say, nope, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob right? He was always a generational God. The psalmist said, one generation should declare your praise to what? Another. So if one is missing, there's a problem, right? And so we have to make sure that we're reaching the next generation. And in this story, Jesus comes because a lot of them that were sitting around this pool were, were pictures this broken generation that we are in today. You know, another thing that I think is similar is that many uh, that were sitting at this pool this day, they were just victims. Uh, 
They were victims. Didn't mean that they have a victim mentality, but they were born in the condition that they lay in. They were born lame. They were born paralyzed. You know, a lot of the problems that we see in our culture today, a lot of the problems that we see in our culture today are because what one generation refused to stand for, now the next generation suffers for. What one generation refused to stand for, now the next generation suffers for it. And we love the story in the Bible of David defeating Goliath, but the facts are Goliath was not the giant for David to face. It was Saul's problem, but he wouldn't deal with it. So a lot of, a lot of the problems that we see among our young people today are things that they were born into, things that they didn't ask for. They didn't ask to be uh, brought up in this broken world, but it's just a situation that they are brought in. You know, the APA did a story in 2018. Uh, this was before COVID. And they said that this generation of young people suffers from uh, greater anxiety and depression than any generation they had ever um, studied before. Young people, middle schoolers. In fact, they said that the, the average teenager today um, experiences levels of anxiety that they found in psychiatric patients in the 50s. But that's how out of control our culture has got. It was a, this scene was a messy scene. Everybody say it was a messy scene. But here is why I tell you all this, because this is the place where Jesus chose to came, come. I'm going to say it again. This is the place that Jesus chose to come to. You see, Jesus is coming to Jerusalem for the feast is what we read. He could have went to any gate that he wanted to, but where did he come to? The pool of Bethesda, right? The house of mercy. Because Jesus said, I want to go where the broken people are. Jesus says, I want to go where there's some people that need a touch, they need a healing, they need a miracle. This is where Jesus chooses to pour out his spirit. See, this is why this story gives me hope, because I believe that we are ready for a great awakening. Do you believe that? I believe we're ready for a great awakening. I believe that we're ready for God to come and pour out his spirit. There is a miracle. Yes, it's a mess, but there's a miracle in the mess. Now, here's the thing, is that if we're not careful, we will miss the miracle. If we're not careful, we'll miss the miracle. And let me give you three reasons real quickly how we can miss our miracle in the mess, all right? Number one is this. We miss our miracle when we get stagnant. Everybody say stagnant. Yes. Verse 5 says, Jesus comes and a certain man was there who had had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The story kind of gives us a hint that this man has been here for 38 years and he's never, ever, ever changed. He's never got his miracle. 38 years. So this is why Jesus looks at him and Jesus says, do, do you want to be better? Do you, do you want to grow? Do you want to change? Would you like me to do something in your life? You see, when we, when we come to Christ and we get saved, getting saved is the most important thing, but it's not the end goal. God wants you to grow spiritually. He wants you to mature. You know, when you've got kids, you take them to the doctor and they chart out their growth, right? 
and they're saying, oh, they're growing. They're, it's a sign of health. See, the same for us spiritually. When God saves us, he doesn't just save us to save us. He saves us so that we can begin this beautiful spiritual journey of growth. But if we're not careful, we can become stagnant. And it happens to all of us. And here this man, for 38 years, has been in the same condition. Same spiritual condition. You see, Paul said that we should be changed from glory to glory. That we should be changed. Peter, writing in, in his epistle, when he's writing about the end times of the Lord, he, he ends his epistle in 2 Peter chapter 3 by saying this, Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, God wants us to grow. He wants us spiritually to be maturing and growing and advancing in the things of the Lord. But, but if we're not careful, we can get comfortable. And we get comfortable in our mess. I know we don't like to talk about it, but we get comfortable in our messy situations. We're just like, we get adapted to it. And, and what happens is, is you, you can't mess over this. Jesus comes and he confronts the man's complacency. Right on the spot, he confronts his complacency. Do you want to be made well? My daughter Callie, who is here, when she was in kindergarten, one day I came home from the office, and, and, and when I come home, I always ask my kids, you know, how'd your day go? And, 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 and uh, I asked her, and she said, come upstairs. I was like, okay. And she went into her room, shut the door. I said, okay, Callie, what is wrong? How was your day? She said, it was bad. I had to change my color. And what that means in kindergarten, if you have to change your color, you got in trouble. And so I said, well, Callie, what in the world happened? And she said, well, we were out on the playground, you know, in kindergarten. And she's like, this boy in my class, he pooped his pants. And I was like, okay, well, well what happened? She said, I looked at him and said, dude, what do you think this is? Preschool? Is this preschool? You know? And so I said, well, Callie... You know, that, that was truthful, you know, but you probably could have been a little bit more graceful about it. How many know sometimes we need somebody to walk up to us in our mess, in our complacency, and say, dude, what do you think this is, preschool? You see, but he, for 38 years, has been comfortable and miracles, see, the way the story would happen is that an angel would come down and would stir the water, and the first person in would get a miracle. But for 38 years, he's never got his miracle. I personally think, I'm going to grab me like one of these old school Pentecostal hankies. I personally think he was just sitting down having church. I personally think he's enjoying watching all the miracles. Ooh, look at that one. It was good. That's my favorite song. Sing it again. It's good. It's good. It's good. And Jesus walks up and says, do you want to be made well? When is the last time that you have got a touch from the Lord? When is the last time that you have changed and been transformed? This is what Jesus says to him. But see, if we're not careful, we get stagnant. And listen, when we get stagnant, we miss the miracles. We miss the miracles when we get Stagnant. You see, we have to confront our complacency. There's this weird verse in the Bible when Elijah 
is taken up from heaven and Elisha catches the mantle from the Lord, the anointing from the Lord. And one of the very first miracles that Elisha does is he comes in 2 Kings 2.19 and the men of the city say to Elisha, they say, Elisha, they said, please notice the situation of our city. They said, the water is bad and the ground is barren, but the city is pleasant. How in the world can you say your situation is pleasant when you don't have any water and you don't have any fruit to show of anything? But how many times do we find ourselves in the same situations as a church when we're like, everything's great, we're enjoying ourselves over here, we're on the gospel ship, headed to heaven, and somebody has to walk in and say, where's the fruit? Where is the fruit? Where is the fresh water? How I many knows it's easy to get stagnant, amen? The second thing that happens is this. Not only do we get stagnant, but we get silly. Everybody say silly. silly. We get silly. I used to say we get stupid, but that sounds harsh, doesn't it? Silly sounds a lot better. The sick man answered him and said this. Sir, I imagine it like this. Sir. I have nobody to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. Jesus asked him, do you want to be made better? And what, what's his response? I, I, don't, I got nobody to put me in the pool. 38 years, and you couldn't figure out how to get into the water first, not one time? You know, how about you gather all the lame people around and play paper, rock, scissors, Right? And the winner says, all right, make you a deal. I win. You guys pick me up. Throw me in. I'm going to get my miracle. Tomorrow, we'll pick you up. Eeny, meeny, my. We'll go right down the line, and we'll all get our miracle, you know? Do, do something to figure out how to get what you need from the Lord. How many knows when you're desperate, you're desperate, right? When you really need something from the Lord, you'll push, like, like Pastor was saying, you, you'll push in. You'll push through the crowd. To get what you need from the Lord. But, but his response to the Lord is, I don't have anybody to put me into the pool. Can't figure it out. You know, isn't it amazing that when, when we're facing all the issues that we're facing in life, it never seems to be our problem, right? Never seems to be anything that we want to address. It's like the man who was rescued from the, uh, a deserted island and then when the rescue pilot found him and saved him that day he was flying back to the mainland and as they were crossing over the pilot looked down and said hey I I thought you told me you were the only person on this deserted island and he said well I, I am he said well there's three buildings down there he said I know I built every single one of them he said that first one is my house that I built he said that second one is the church that I built, where I go. And he said, that third one is where I used to go to church before I got mad and left. <laughs> got mad and left. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you this morning, and, and uh, with all sincere and heart, the only person that can keep us from all that God has for us is us. Is us. Is us. And at some point, there has to be this confrontation in our heart when we have to say, you know what? I need to stop resisting what God is wanting to do and what God is wanting to do. You see, we, we have a God. James tells us that if we draw near to God, what does he do? He draws near to us. 
He is a motion-activated God. He's not going to make us do something. He's not going to force something on us. But he's saying, hey, if you will just take one step, I'm going to meet you there. You know, it's like those new fancy paper towel holders. You can look at it. You can scream at it. You can shout at it. But if you don't get your hand under that little sensor and do a little wooka wooka wooka, you ain't getting no paper towels. And I'm not saying that God, that you do this and you're going to get this. But what I'm saying about our God is God is sitting back sometimes and saying, are you going to step out? Do you really want me to do something in your midst? Do you really want me to do a miracle in your mess? But what happens is, 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 is we get silly. And you know what a lot of churches do? Not this church, but other churches. We spiritualize our silliness, right? Like we spiritualize our, well, I'm just not really sure if that's the Lord. Just not really sure about that. I had a roommate in college one time. I was in Bible college. We had pretty strict rules. One of them were we had to go to all these chapels, and we had to go to prayer meeting. It was mandatory. We signed up for it. We knew it. And, and I was out of, on my way out of my dorm room to go to prayer meeting, and my roommate was laying in his bed. And so I said, hey, man, do you need a ride? We're going to prayer meeting. He's like, no. Um, I was like, you, oh, you can ride with me if you want to go. He said, I, I'm, I'm praying about whether or not I'm going to go or not. And I stopped for a second. I was like, you're praying about whether or not you should go to prayer meeting. He said, yep. I said, which is mandatory, by the way? He said, yeah, that's right. You see, we, we start spiritualizing all of our nonsense, right, instead of really dealing with our complacency and our apathy and really pressing into the Lord. And we get comfortable in our mess. You see, what happens so much and this is a major issue that we're facing in the church today, is we love to talk about all the brokenness. We love to talk about how messy our world is and, and how, how screwed up it is. We, we love to emphasize that. But, but instead, instead of really pressing in to say, God, no, you said in your word that you will pour out your spirit on all flesh. And our sons and daughters, they will prophesy. And instead of pressing in on that, we sit and pout about the mess. We sit and pout about the mess, and Jesus is like, I just wish somebody would press in, because if you'd press in, you'd get your miracle. You'd get your miracle. You would see that I would honor my word. I would honor my word. But instead, we sit and we pout about the mess. See, we get stagnant. Everybody say stagnant. Everybody say we get silly. And then the third one is this, is we get slow. We get slow. The man answered Jesus, and he said, no one is here to put me into the pool. I don't have any help. He said, and, and while I am coming, while I am coming, another steps down in front of me. Jesus, even when I try, somebody beats me to it. See, it's a picture for us. We lose our passion. We lose our first love. You know, if you think back, I was thinking back this morning when Pastor Kevin said, let's sing that song, Egypt, again. I just wanted to put my hands on my heart and say, thank you, Jesus, that you came into my Egypt. You came into my Egypt. And sometimes we forget that God stepped in and saved us. That he saved us as sinners. And he delivered us. And how easy it is to forget about that. 
And we get caught up in all this other silliness. And let me tell you what happens is you lose your spiritual hunger. You become slow. And when you become slow, you miss out on the miracles. You miss out on the water stir and meeting him face to face because you've lost your passion. You lose your first love. And it becomes really easy for us to lose our first love. And here's the issue. When we become slow, we stay the same. There is no miracle for us. There's no changes. And, and here's the thing about God. is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But God is in love with doing new things. How many of you know if we read the Bible, we know that God is in love with doing new things? He's always doing new things. In the Bible, we read about new mercies. We read about new covenant. We read about a new song in our mouth. We, we read about a new spirit. We read about new wine. He said, I'll write to you a new commandment. He said, you will speak in what? New tongues. God is always about doing new things. But when we sit around the pool and we get slow, we miss out on all the new things. Because what happens is God wants to come and he wants to change some things. You see, if we don't change, we die. I'm going to say it again. If we don't change, we die. I'm going to say it again. If we don't change, we die. When we refuse to change, there is no growth. And when there's no growth, there's stagnation. And then stagnation leads to death. What do you, what do you think when elderly people, when they have a surgery, what's one of the very first things that the, the, the physician will come in and say, we got to get you what? Up and moving, right? We got to get you up and moving. You know what I feel like the Lord is trying to do in our churches today? He's trying to come. He's trying to say, hey, we got to get you up and we got to get you moving. We got to get you up and we got to get you moving. But we're over here and we're like, oh, but it's so messy. It's so, it's so bad. And, and, and we don't have young people. And, and I don't know how the young people live for Jesus because there's so many problems. And, and Jesus is just saying, hey, let's just get you up and get you moving because I want to do a miracle. But see, that requires change. Everybody say change. Because when we're stagnant, it leads to death. Listen, there's a story in the Old Testament that should shake us to our core. It's in 2 Kings chapter 7. And let me just paraphrase it for you. Samaria is under siege from the Syrians. And, and there was such, they were in such a deadlock from the enemy that the, the, the land came under great famine. There was no water. There was no food. They, I mean, it was so dire that Scripture even reports that they were turning to cannibalism. They were eating their children. They were eating their children. That's what was happening. It's interesting to me. If you want to know when, when something is getting ready to close up and die, the first thing that you'll notice is there's no next generation there. It's the very first thing that you'll notice. Anytime that you want to see is something about ready to die, there, there'll be no next generation there. And that's what was happening. They were literally, the next generation was disappearing. And the Bible, the Bible records that it got so bad they also started eating donkeys' heads. You can read it in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Donkeys' heads and seed pods is what the King James says. Seed pods. Seed pods are, are literally, they're doves' dung. It's the poo-poo of a dove, okay? 
literally mean the dove is not there. The dove is what? He's gone. And a lot of our churches today, they're a lot like that. You come in and you're like, where is the next generation? We're not real sure. But we're over here feasting on where the dove has been. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for what God did way back in the day. Hallelujah. Come on, are you with me? And we're feasting on all the old stories. And that was great. But God is not back there anymore. He is here today. He is here today. And he wants to do something. And there's four lepers in the story. And they're sitting around. And, and here's what they say in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. They say this. Why are we sitting here until we die? You see, that sometimes has got to get in your spirit. And that's when I'm glad the Lord is quickening pastors all across the nation and saying this. We're not going to sit here until we die. We're going to do something about this. We're going to do something about this. And those leprous men got up and they said, you know what? We can sit here and, 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 and we, we can die or we can get up and we can do something about this. And they go into the camp of the enemy and God gives them great spoils. You see, here, here's the fact. We can have a multi-generational church. And sometimes having a multi-generational church requires that we make changes. I know we don't like them. Right? But here's the deal. Or we can keep having church the way we are until the generation dies off and they shut the doors, lock it, and sell the building. And it's happening throughout communities all across the United States. That's what's happening. And they're like, well, we're going out of here in a shout of glory. Well, I don't really think that's God's plan for, for, the, for the church to eventually die. One generation should be declaring it what to the next. So you got to make sure that they're there and you got to make sure that you're making room for them and you got to make sure that you're making changes for them. You see, God wants to do something new. Everybody say he wants to do something new. He wants to do something new. God's always moving forward. And here's what we have to understand. Our past is not our enemy, right? We're grateful for our past. We're grateful for all that God has done. But God is not back there anymore. God is moving forward. And sometimes when you're trying to move forward, you got to wage war with your backwards. Sometimes when you're moving forward, you got to wage war with your backwards because your backwards wants to keep holding you back. It wants to say, hey, come on, Let, do we really need to get that radical? Do we, do we really need to, to do that? Do we, you know, it was, it, if, it was, if it was good enough for Grandpa, it, it was good enough for me. Are you with me? If, if it was good enough for them, then, it, then it's good enough for me. Well, see, here, here's the deal, is that the Lord, the Bible, the Bible tells us that he would, would not put new wine in Mark chapter 2. He won't put new wine into old wineskins, right? That's what the Bible teaches us. Mark 2, 22. He says, I won't put new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine would burst the wineskins. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. See, here's, here's the beautiful thing about what the Lord wants to do. And this is where we've got to get. The wine is what the Lord makes, right? And that is what is sacred, okay? That is, what, that is what doesn't change. The message of God, it never changes. The truth of the gospel, it never changes. But you see, the wineskins, they're not sacred because they're just the method. 
Okay, the method that reached a generation 40 years ago, that was a different wineskin. Now there's got to be a different wineskin for today. The wine is still sacred. The message of God is still sacred. But our methods, they change. And if they don't change, I'm telling you, we miss out on our miracle. You know, it was a couple years ago, we had just moved to Texas. And our, our family had to do something we had really never did before. Because we were always on a ministry assignment. So we always were at a church. And this new ministry assignment that we were going into for a season, uh, we, we had to go find a church because of the type of ministry assignment we were in. And we walked into a, a pretty big church, and, uh, and it was incredible. The worship was incredible. And then when, when the preacher came up to preach, this movie screen came down. And I was like, where's the real human, right? And it was a message on the video screen. And I was like, wow, this is kind of weird. Like, I don't know if I like this or not. And, but, but God was moving, and, and, and guess what? I got fed, Pastor Kevin. It was good word. And, then, and, and so we kept coming back for a couple weeks. And one week, we, we, we have four kids, and they were younger, so we were a little bit late. Anybody ever been there before? Okay. We were a little bit late, and so when we walked in to try to get a seat in this auditorium, guess what? There were no more seats. So they ushered us into an overflow room, all right, which was really just a, a square room. There wasn't anything fancy in there, and there was a screen. And so now, I, if I could figure it out right in my mind, I was in the satellite of the satellite, all right? Now, you want to talk about the cheap seats. I was in the real cheap seats, all right? I was in the satellite of the satellite. So now, during worship... I, I don't even have a live band. I don't even have, I, I'm watching a screen and there's this worship team playing. And I, I was, I, I, I remember I closed my eyes and I said, this is ridiculous. I said, I'm getting my wife, checking my kids out of the nursery, and I'm going home. And in that moment, I, I remember this, God said, open your eyes. And I opened my eyes. And in that room that just had folding chairs, no fancy lights, no sound system at all, could barely even hear the music. I looked up, and people were kneeling on the ground. There was somebody dancing in the corner. There were hands lifted and tears coming down. And then the Lord said, what did you come here to do today, son? What did you come here to do today, son? And I knew that in that moment that the Lord was dealing with some sacred idols in my heart. But because of things that I thought, well, it's got to be done this way. It's got to be done this way. And I think what God was trying to say was, hey, I will do it whatever way I want to do it. Because I am God and you are not. I am God and you are not. And here's the beautiful thing, church, is when we can gather that attitude and we can say, God... You do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. I'm not going to get in your way. I'm not going to challenge you. I'm just going to say, come down and trouble the water so that I can get my miracles, so that my baby can get their miracles, and my baby's babies can get their miracles, and our whole family can be changed. Because listen, if I know anything, and I'm closing, what we need today is we need a divine move of God. Listen, our fancy services, our fancy messages, and our programs aren't going to get our kids delivered off of drugs and alcohol. They're not going to break off the spirits of the age that they're facing today. But the moving of God will do it. 
But we got to let him do it, and we got to say, God, you do it the way that you want to do it, and I'm just going to stand back and say, hey, I'm along for the ride. I'm along for the ride. Would you stand with me today? And would you just bow your, your head, bow your heart today before the Lord? See, there's a miracle in the mess. And as you bow your, your head today, you see, to me, the real miracle wasn't the lame man getting his healing. Yeah, that was a physical miracle. But the real miracle was the heart that was changed. It was the apathy that was confronted. It was a heart For 38 years had become complacent and in that day his heart was brought alive and I believe that's what the Lord wants to do I believe if we would press in today instead of hunkering down and saying oh God I just can't believe how bad our world is we would press in and say, God, oh, I'm just so thankful that I'm, I'm alive to live in this day and hour because we're going to see you do great and mighty things. We're going to see you move like never before. We're going to see you pour out your spirit on the young and the old. We're going to have a church that has all the generations in it. We're going to have a church that has all the generations functioning in their gifts and callings. We're not going to fight. We're not going to squabble. We're not going to be ridiculous over things that mean nothing about eternity. But we're going to say, God, pour out your spirit like never before. We're going to pray for the young people in just a moment. But I want you to take a second and I want you to ask the Lord what he's speaking to your heart today. Just ask him, God, what do you, somebody in the room, you just, you need the Lord to just, restore your first love the spirit of apathy is just settled on you and you're here this morning and I'm grateful you got up and came but if you were to be honest with the Lord this morning you just checked a box off of your list for the week and the Lord is looking at you he said I'm not mad at you I'm not upset at you but I really would love to have your heart again I would really love to have your heart again there's some men in the room and you're like, oh, I came, I, I came. My wife knows I came. She's going to be happy I came. God's just saying, I'd really love to have your heart again. I'd really love to speak to you again. Just say, Lord, what are you speaking to me? Break me out of my apathy. Help me not to be stagnant. Help me to press to all that you want to do. In Jesus' name. We're going to invite our young people as they sing a song. Pastor Kevin wanted us to pray for all of our young people this morning. So if you're young, he didn't even give me an age. So how about that? There's some beautiful gray hairs in this place. Man, I'd take advantage. I'd say, hey, I'm young. I'm coming. I turned 40 this year, and I just realized it's just a number, right? It's just a number. So if you are young, in any way, shape, or fashion, why don't you just come to the front and we're going to have special prayer with you this morning on this Youth Emphasis Day. Would you give our young people a hand as they come up to the front?
special request before we transition and close. They're taking uh, Pastor Steve and Cindy's grandson. How old is he? He's 17, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna pray over him right now. Amen. Amen. We're gonna pray over him right now. Let's raise our hands this way, pointing towards Pastor Steve and Cindy, and we're gonna pray. God, we pray for this young man right now. God, we're asking you through the power and through the work of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that we feel here this morning, God. We're believing through the power and work of the Holy Spirit, God, that you go into that hospital room right now. Lord, I am asking you to sign an angel. Sign an angel at the doorpost of that hospital. Sign an angel at the doorpost of that room. And sign an angel over that bed right now. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, you lay your hand upon the doctor's hand. And God, I ask you, Lord, to be there with every nurse. And we're believing by faith that, God, that you're going to touch him. The surgery is going to be fine. And God, we'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Before we leave church, I want us to throw our hands. This None of this could have happened with the power and work of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to honor, we're going to honor the Holy Spirit. If we want to see this continually happen, then we have to build a memorial of thanksgiving. So Father, right now, honey, just hold off on the music just for a second. Holy Spirit, we stand and honor you. We honor you for the anointing that you put up on Pastor Andy this morning. That message, God, was so timely for this church. And Holy Ghost, we stand, and we know you always point to Jesus. So Jesus, we thank you for visiting us today. It's by your grace and your mercy we stand in awe in this building And we thank you for loving us, for forgiving us, and showing us your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name. I'm so thankful for our prayer team on Monday that that gathers here with Sister Tina and Mom and the ladies gather here on Monday morning to pray. I want to invite you, what is it, 9 o'clock, Sister Tina, at 8.30 to this Monday to pray. And it's through prayer that the power of the Lord moves and works. Amen. Uh, all the young people downstairs, we got lunch for you, so I hope all of you can stay. I think a few of them had to leave, but downstairs, we got lunch for you. Let's give Pastor Randy and his family and the worship, uh, Jace did a good job. Let's give them a hand this morning, amen. Pastor Randy, we love you, and God bless you, and amen. You have a great day in the Lord this morning.